Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, hey, Solar Warrior. Thank you so much for investing the only non-renewable resource that you've gotten. That's your time. I promise I'll take care of it. My name is Nico and I am really, really stoked about today's interview with my friend B.D. Erickson from Sadic. Inc. Hey, if you're new here and you're just checking out Suncast for the first time, I am so thankful for you. And I know BD is as well. I'd love it if you'd listen all the way through and then you'll hear ways that you can connect with us and give us your honest feedback about the episode. The best way you could do that would be to subscribe, rate, or review, or, or share it with a friend on LinkedIn or through your email. In the meantime, I intend to earn every inch of the next mile we're going to walk together. So thank you for tuning in. Have you ever wondered why your cell phone gets hot when it's charging? Few folks realize the electromagnetism that's picked up as dirty electricity as it moves through the circuit, making things just less efficient. And that excess heat increases not just your phone's heat, but your energy bills. And it shortens the life of all of the devices and appliances around us. Well, B.D. Erickson noticed, and his Missoula-based Satic USA has been building clean electricity products to address this issue since 2008. And more and more solar installers are beginning to install Satic's products alongside their inverters to ensure a clean operating system inside your home. If you're interested to hear how this Tony Robbins-inspired and trained, powerful leader has found his home back home in Missoula, Montana, growing the fastest-growing solar company in that state, then I would encourage you to stick around. I get into how he came up with the business idea more than 10 years ago when he sold Asia-manufactured energy-efficient lighting to Middle Eastern clients. Decided he wanted to come back home and do something for the good people of Montana and the solar industry at large. And if you are digging what we're laying down here, then I would encourage you to subscribe to the show and that'll make sure that you don't miss our twice weekly content just like this, where more than 350 founders, stories, and startup advice are available right there in your podcast player or over at mysuncast.com. But for now, get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune into another powerful conversation here on Suncast. All right, Solar Warriors, today we're going to dive into the entrepreneurial journey of a Missoula, Montana-based solar entrepreneur, Mr. B.D. Erickson of a company named Satic. If you haven't heard of Satic, I hope you'll take some time and jump over to our blog where we link to some of the videos and information that no doubt after today's conversation, you'll be interested to learn more about. In particular, a topic that I was unfamiliar with, the idea of clean versus dirty energy. BD has spent a lot of time thinking about it. He's going to tell us more about it today here on today's conversation. Welcome to Suncast, BD. Thank you, Nico. Pleasure to be here. Pleasure is all mine. Well, you've got a fantastic background in solar, not just in uh, clean energy, but in solar uh, specifically. Could you give me a better idea or understanding of how you were first exposed to the concept of clean energy and solar, how that got ingrained into your life at an early age. Well, it's, it's funny how you get on the, you know, your life path on your journey. As a little kid, you know, dad has a job. And when I was a little kid, my family manufactured solar panels on a small town called Belt, Montana. My dad was a partner in a company called Sunwise Solar. And we manufactured thermals. It was just warm air, right? Polycarbonate solar panels in the late 70s and early 80s. And my dad's part of the job was setting up dealerships. So we moved a lot. It was kind of hard on me in the, the formative years. I went to 11 schools in 12 years. But we set up solar panel sales dealerships from Western Montana 
all the way to eastern Nebraska. And so the houses that I lived in as a kid not only had solar panels, they had solar panels my family made. It was the largest thermal solar manufacturer, I think, west of the Mississippi. Is that right? That's exactly correct. How'd you find your way to Montana, a state that I've long wanted to visit, but never been able to to make my way there? Born for the most part and raised in Missoula, Montana. You know, as stated, we moved around a lot. It was a place we always came back to. And then once I got to marriage and, you know, having kids age, I gravitated back to Missoula. When you were coming up, you were coming up in this world where you were surrounded by uh, not just entrepreneurship and sales culture, but also the early introduction of the idea of leveraging our resources, renewable energy. Who were some early icons or heroes for you that sort of made an indelible mark on your mind about how you wanted to grow and your formation into a business person? Several answers to that. One, you know, even though we were a manufacturer, my dad's role was helping this entrepreneur in a new city get into a really foreign, interesting new business of selling solar panels. And so how they would get the customer and advertising to grow their business, that had an impact on me. And watching, literally watching these guys and which ones were successful and some weren't. Some had a great market and weren't successful. Some guys had a terrible market out in Wyoming. They thought you'll never make it. And they flourished. So a lot of it there didn't have anything to do with the product. and had everything to do with the entrepreneur himself. So in high school, I did, I participated in a few things. DECA was one, Distributed Education Class of America. And I ran the student store, was a part of that. And we got to go to a a sales seminar, a gentleman named Tom Hopkins, who was a really famous sales trainer at the time. And I remember as an award in high school, my senior year, I got to go to a really neat personal development seminar, my first one that also had an impact and kind of started me down that journey of personal development and coaching as well. Yeah, you've got actually a tremendous. I remember when Dylan on your team, uh, hat tip to Dylan Smith, who uh, who originally did the outreach to get you uh, and introduced to Suncast. He mentioned, I think one of the hooks that he he used to sort of grab my attention was that you had worked with Tony Robbins. How important early in your career and perhaps in, in everyone's life do do you feel that that con- the concept of personal development has been to you? I think crucial. And so, you know, would I have made the leap from good to great without it? Maybe. I don't think at the level that I have and the amount of influence and impact that I've had and been able to have in people's lives, that's not, you know, from my own greatness. I I, I take some credit because I apply it, but, you know, we're all taught. And so along the way, we pick our mentors. And Tony Robbins was somebody that I really gravitated to. I loved what he was saying. I loved the culture the group aspect of it and the events and helping people walk on fire. I have, I have been blessed to cry more tears of joy than most rascals you'll know, because I, I lived in that environment for a decade, you know? Yeah. That's unbelievable, man. A decade of working inside the, the Tony Robbins organization. Surely that forms part of, as you mentioned, the culture of the company and companies that you have uh, built since then I would be curious, and I, perhaps I'm going to ask on behalf of everyone else who's listening and can't uh, can't tweet to me right now. But are there, you know, a few fundamental either life or business or both lessons that you took away from that decade with Tony Robbins that you try to pass along to your team and then other entrepreneurs that you work with? Absolutely, I, I believe that one is service based leadership. Um, as a leader, you know, leading means almost by definition out in front right? You're leading. But if it's always about you, Nico, man, it's boring. It's always about you, right? And so at some point, you got to say, okay, I've shown you which way to go. We've gone and we didn't get killed, but I can't lead forever. It's time for you. And then you help the next person, you know, grow and, and develop and become the beautiful, unique, fantastic person that's inside them. For some of us, it comes a little bit more naturally to be noisier out in front. For others, they just, they need more of a push, but you're always amazed at, at what was in them, something that you didn't even see. You knew some good was in there, but you're blown away when you help them, when you help them discover it. So one of the things I learned is it's not, it's not any people you get to lead, to follow you. David Koresh and some, some, some people that didn't have great motives have gotten a lot of people to follow them. So right. is that really what's important? No, I think it's the leaders that you create. Uh, you don't pass wow. the torch, Nico, you light more torches, baby. I love that. You know, it makes me think about whether or not we are born to lead or we can learn to lead. Are there things that you've found in your experience, uh, both learning to train leaders as well as being a leader and lighting that torch inside of your own companies 
that are character traits that seem to indicate that someone is going to rise to the occasion? You know, that's that's a great question. And and the answer is, if there is, I don't know if I've identified it. Well, what do you look for then? What do you look for in somebody that's coachable? And- Sometimes you think the person that's big and out front has it. And maybe the person that's a little more laid back doesn't. And what happens is we we wear our masks. We really do. You know, we find out which, which clique we're going to hang with in high school and we start to form that identity, right? And so one of the things about identifying that in somebody is making them feel safe to be vulnerable, to show you who they are and to show you what they've got. And being vulnerable doesn't come easy to a lot of us. And anybody that's been embarrassed or shamed or something like that, boy, being vulnerable is not a comfortable space. But you have to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to, or you don't grow, you don't change, you don't experience new things. And so one of one of my jobs really, and I don't know, trying to identify that is making them feel safe so that we can pull back the layers and, and, and see their skill sets and what makes them shine and what they've really got in there. And so vulnerability and being able to understand and appreciate their world, I think is a key. What career path did you not go down, but always thought you would? So when I was young, I thought I'd be in the music business. I had a rock and roll production company called North by Northwest Music Festivals. And we put on 20 to 30 band, three day rock and roll festivals um, in Western Montana. And I thought that my career path would be in the music industry. We had a really big show, 26 bands, and it rained. Nico, it friggin' rained, man, for three days. So who wants to put their tent and their hacky sack and their frisbee in the car and go drive to a rainy, muddy park and camp for three days? And uh, it rained us out. And so we had we we owed money to everybody, you know, Argus and uh, Pizza Hut and Mountain Dew and every sponsor and Red Bull and everybody. And that was a, a pivotal event for me because my girlfriend at the time and I just found out we were pregnant and I had not graduated from university. I didn't know what I was going to be. I wanted to be a rock and roll guy. My concert gets rained out and we're pregnant. And I was really unsure about my place in the universe to the point of being overwhelmed to suicide, suicidal thoughts. And when I look back on it now and all that I've been through and all I've accomplished at 20, <laughs> they weren't as big a problems, but boy, they sure felt like it. So my dad, you know, good dad, love me, um, said, you, you, you're, not, you're not over, boy, you've not even started yet and collected me and drove me about three hours to Spokane, Washington, to a Tony Robbins little event, but it wasn't Tony Robbins. He wasn't there. It was at a chiropractor's office and it was on a screen and it was on a white wall. And we, we wrote some limiting beliefs on a board and we punched through the board and, and I, I wept and something clicked. I, I came home about maybe a week or 10 days later. I got the finest compliment I've ever been paid in my life. It makes me cry thinking about it. I'm, I'm widowed. I married a, a beautiful young woman gave me a handsome, smart child. Um, she was killed in an auto accident. But years ago, she had said when we got back, she said, I, I, I saw someone in you and I knew there was a great man in you, but you hid him from us. And who you've become since you came home from that event is more than I even saw in you. And to this day, that's the nicest compliment that I've received from someone that I loved and wanted very much to impress and feel proud of me. Part of the story of Sadik comes back to you know, the beautiful person that she and you helped bring into the world, your son. Can you tell the story of how you became aware that there is a thing called dirty energy and help others understand what EHS is and, and how you sort of na- began to navigate and learn that world? Well, I was not an early adopter, early believer. I'll tell you that. I was actually kind of a skeptic, dirty electricity, you know, nonsense. Um, that's who who. EHS electro hypersensitivity, uh, go get your foil hat. That was really, <laughs> yeah, right. That was my attitude. I, I'll, I'll own it, you know. So we're living in Hawaii. My wife got her grad degree in geology on the Big Island, UH. And my son has perfect attendance in school, great little ukulele player, and he's happy and he's, he's, he's good spirited, perfect attendance and perfect grades. She's in an auto accident. She passes after about a year. He and I are just lonely and sad and in a trance. So we moved back to Montana to be back by her family and mine and the support that I really needed at that time raising this dude. So first year goes great. Perfect attendance, straight A, student of the month. Everybody loves him. They're, they're singing his and, and, and I's, my accolades. Well, about a year into it, sleep is escaping him. He's missing school. He's grumpy. 
the sickly is, is just not him. So what is it? Is it because mom's gone um, and the trauma of that? Is it, am I not a good dad? Um, you know, I really felt as his grades dropped and his attendance dropped and his attitude dropped and, and sleep escaped him and even leaving his room became painful. I felt that I had failed both she and he. And, and I, I, I felt it was me. I know what's, what's, what's the X factor. It's got to be that mom's not here to help. So what had happened, we had purchased a home kind of in our haste when we moved back under the biggest power lines in Missoula, Montana, by some margin, just huge, right? Didn't think a thing of it. In fact, we'd actually been in the house a few days when I, I said to him, did you notice these huge power lines oh my goodness. Going, through the, going through the backyard here? And he and I had a good laugh. Well, his room is closest to that. So it's interesting how, you know, life paths diverge or, or converge. I had been selling a light bulb, green, high-tech lighting, uh, selling it in the Middle East where electricity is very expensive. It was a very expensive light bulb. And one of its properties was a very efficient and high conversion of watts to lumens. That's what you're trying to do, right? You're trying to turn try and turn electricity into light and get as very little heat and stuff as possible. And one of the byproducts was that it had very low harmonic distortion, very low interference, very low EMF. And so going down the road of what made it better had opened my mind to the reality that dirty electricity, it's it's real, it's measurable, right? It's it's a real thing. Ask any ham radio guy about interference, ask any audiophile about a pop or tick in the speakers when the fridge comes on, band guys, right? I mean, people know what it is and they know that it's real, but do they make that leap now that if it's bad for your stuff, that it's bad for you, right? There's the leap. So, well, it's one thing to be able to identify that this thing exists, that it's affecting a family member. And it's another to take the entrepreneurial leap to try and fix the problem. Help me understand that journey for you. That was that was an arduous and bumpy road. I, I am I am I am dusty and got some good scars from that one. So it's like carbon monoxide. You can't you can't see it, you can't smell it, you can't taste it. And not everyone is sensitive to it. Now I'm not. Nico, I could eat a half-eaten corn dog that I found in the garbage can at the fair and feel great. I, I I don't get sick, you know. I just I'm, I feel good most of the time, yeah. um, and then somebody else who's actually quite like me in personality is is suffering terribly. And so here are some here are some things that kind of helped my brain get there. Number one, we don't have to mow our yard directly under those lines. The grass is not bushy, er, it's bushy less. Yeah. So it's definitely having an effect. Now, as a scientist, you say, well, you know, did the trucks drive in the lines up there? Did they squish it down? Did gas fall out of the back of the truck? You, you try to be analytical and look at why, but boy, as far as you can see, either way, the grass underneath it is either dead or less. So it's doing something to the biological. Next, dairy cows. Man, dairy, that's a trillion dollar industry. That is not just milk. And creamer, that's ice cream, that's butter, that's cheese, that's sour cream, and all these things. Well, they know when their dairy cows, Marigold, Dairy Gold, all the way to the Amish in Montana, they know what produces good quantity and flavor of milk. And it is documented beyond contestation that dirty electricity affects these animals, their attitude, the quality and production of their milk. In fact, they're so sensitive, they won't even step in a puddle at the dairy if there's stray voltage. So now the way the way I thought electric fences worked is you got bit by it and then you're smart and so you don't go, no, man, the cows don't get bit by electric fence. No way, baby. They don't go anywhere near it. They can feel it. I had no idea. I didn't either. The Amish taught me that, right? When I was wow. on this journey. And so because of the FDA and some things, you're very careful about saying what's good or bad for a person. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But you can say what's good or bad for grass. Yeah. You can say what's good or bad for a cow. And a lot of greenhouses and indoor grows have the same documentation. The plant is growing towards the light or the water source. It's growing away from the electricity. It's growing away from the dirty electricity. And the the quality of your electricity in your greenhouse or your grow affects the size of this strawberry. It's beyond contestation whether it's real or measurable and bad for you. So I think the question then becomes, well, how bad? 
Mm-hmm. And that's a fair question. So do you want to smoke three packs of Marlboro Reds a day? You don't want to. But if you smoked one in college, I think you're going to be okay, right? So do you want to eat French fries for every meal? No, you'll get plump. But a fry now and then ain't going to hurt you. Yeah. So I think the discussion really starts to morph. Okay, so it's real, it's measurable, it's bad. How mm-hmm. bad, how much, and who? Because children are more susceptible as well. The developing biology is more susceptible. Okay. How do you detect it? And then once you've detected it, how did you go about trying to eliminate it? So great questions. Once, once we started, you know, and I'm, I'm just being my own doctor, you know, you got something, you Google it, you know, ah, my elbow's a little twingy, you Google it or whatever, you know? Um, and so I started Googling his symptoms and his symptoms were very well recorded on the internet, quite common for electrohypersensitivity. And they say, what do you look for? Well, power lines is number one. I got the biggest power lines in, in Missoula going through my backyard. Next, the electricity that lives on the line. And then all these waves that we're bombarded with, you know, the Wi-Fi and the phone and the cell and the DHL and just all that stuff also has an effect. So it's, it started with me becoming aware of it. What are the causes? What are the culprits? And then how do you read it? How do you measure it? So that took me to buying meters. I'm checking for electromagnetic fields now. And sure enough, they're off the chart. And I'm, I'm checking for interference on the electrical lines. And sure enough, they're off the chart. And so sure enough, what I had suspected I would find I found. So a couple of questions. What are the symptoms? Some of the symptoms that were showing up, lethargy and other things, right? Yeah. And, and sleeplessness, high blood sugar. So I watched a really great um, YouTube video on a doctor in Michigan. And she said, well, you know, you can't say that we didn't know that dirty electricity caused diabetes. Of course, we know, you know, if you want to give, if you want to test diabetes medication on a rat, you can't feed the poor guy Twinkies for two years in hopes that he gets diabetes, right? So what do you do? You expose him to RF. You expose him to dirty electricity. He Poor guy gets diabetes, and now you can treat him. So I was amazed at how much real, tangible research and evidence existed. Um, it's there. It's, it's, you're one, anyone is one Google search away from knowing that there is a lot of very good case study and work that's been done, but it's still one of those things that's just a little bit behind. You mentioned off the chart. What does off the chart mean? And, and what particularly are you measuring that's off the chart? What sort of tools do you need? There, there are some geeks that are listening that will totally understand what you're saying. So don't hold back. Yeah, I love it. Okay. So, so in electricity, for example, the voltage is the pressure and that gives off an electric field. The amperage is actually the electricity that's flowing and that gives off a magnetic field. You know, magnetic fields and electric fields are part of our everyday life. They don't necessarily hurt you or make you sick in small doses. But what's happening to us now is we're living in an electrified world. We're living in a house that's electrified. And we've added all these devices, all these DC devices, like our phone and our tablet and our pad, in an alternating current world. All LED lights, they actually strobe. They're light-emitting diodes. They they flicker at 60 hertz. So we've added these things into an electrified world that raise these levels of electric fields, magnetic fields, uh, interference and distortion. Um, People know what this is. They just don't know they know. Maybe when you were a kid and your mom vacuumed, it put lines in the TV or you've heard your sister's blow dryer on your radio or something, right? I mean, they exist. And so this distortion and interference has been really magnified just because of changes in the technological world. I mean, not necessarily blaming anybody. It's just you start plugging in a lot of DC devices. You start changing the way we light things, um, a lot of switch mode power supplies. And then your wiring is an antenna. I mean, I grew up with antennas on cars. Cars haven't had antennas in years, man. They got a fin now. You know, your wiring is this antenna. So it's picking up all these waves, et cetera. And then at night, you're laying your head right by the wall, probably pretty close to the wiring. And something that maybe wasn't there 20 years ago is present now and can potentially harm you. I understand the introduction. And I've got a neighbor who actually suffers from EHS as well. I had no idea what it was until, you know, he was proverbially walking around with his, uh, with his uh, tinfoil hat uh, one day and, uh, and, uh, and dr- drinking his hydrogen water and all kinds of different ways that he's gone about trying to cl- sort of clean his house and clean his body. But I'd like to touch ground on the main topic of what we tend to discuss here in Suncast and bring it home to, to folks. Because one of the things, as I asked, how do you eliminate it? You've got answers at a 
esoteric level and sort of a home cleansing level, but you've also got answers specifically to our industries. Something that occurred to me after I talked to you the first time is, uh, well, how interesting. What I hear you saying, BD, is that we are both part of the solution and the problem because we're solving climate change and the climate crisis, but it seems to me like we're introducing even more dirty electricity into the ecosystem. So can you talk a bit to, as the largest solar installer in Montana, how you have gone about solving this problem for homeowners, but also for our industry, thinking about the dirty electricity that we're inadvertently creating? Yeah, no, great question. And and when I say that solar causes dirty electricity, I am not bashing solar. I'm the number one solar guy in Western Montana. I grew up in the house. I I love it. I am I am all for it. There are certain things that exacerbate dirty electricity in these fields. There are several meters that you can buy. Static, we now make one. We think it's the best in the industry because we know what we're looking for, but a lot of companies make meters. And when you are in a home that has LED lighting, the numbers are five or 10x. When you're in a home that has solar, the numbers are 10 to 100x. So by the, the operation of the inverter itself, it creates electromagnetic fields. It creates interference and dirty electricity that are 10 to 100 times more than a home without. So what we, what we engineered, what we've manufactured in our, our main product line is our filter. And it's just like, it's like a Brita filter. It's not that terribly complex. You know, when I was a kid, the best drink of water you got was right out of the hose. Not nowadays, we're all drinking bottled water and we're using some kind of a filter to filter it because there's more contaminants in it than there were. And we're aware of it. Maybe there's not that much more in it, but we're aware of it. So we make plug-in and wire-in filters that smooth out that wave that remove the harmonics, the distortion, the EMFs, the electromagnetic fields, and those harmful things. So what's the result? Well, every once in a while, when you charge your phone, it gets really hot like abnormally warm. Doesn't do it all the time. Does it sometimes. Why? Sometimes lights flicker and things. You know why? Well, there are times of day or use, depending on what you've got plugged in, et cetera, when there are higher levels of dirty electricity. When you filter it, here we go. Your audio sound is crisp. Your back, your TV is cool. Back, your fridge is cool. Your phone charges fast and hot. Your power bill goes down a little bit because you're not converting all this wasted electricity into heat in your DVR. And then your air conditioner is trying to make the room cool, but your DVR is now a plug-in heater. So your power bill goes down a little bit and you have totally clean filtered power throughout your house for your stuff and for the people in it. Now, if I, for example, use the static filter that you're describing, do I also then need to still be worried about the LED bulbs? You mentioned that you had repped and sold these LED bulbs that had low distortion, low harmonics. One of the reasons that you found out about the idea of dirty energy, I'm, you know, I'm using, what is this, Mercury, right? Like one of the cheap ones you can get on Amazon. Sure. So I need to be worried about the, 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 LED, the magnetic field of my Mercury LED light if I'm using a static filter. Okay, so that's a great idea. Yes, we do make lights because they're a culprit, but there are things in our life that cause them. And so when someone's got EHS, we kind of talked about earlier, okay, we know it's real. We know it's bad for you. How much that's different for people. Some people turn off the Wi-Fi, you know, use their phone uh, intermittently in airplane mode, swap out all their lights and get a filter. As for me, myself, that's how my son lives. That's not me. I'm still kind of a tech nerd. I love my eye stuff and I love my things plugged in. So I'm more mindful of when and how I use them. But with a static filter, we're reducing that at least on the line by about 99.5%. So as stated before, you know, maybe you wouldn't want to smoke two packs a day, a couple cigarettes in college or entering a smoky bar occasionally probably isn't that bad for you. So I kind of elect as a person, kind of not a, you know, a high dive into the pool approach, uh, more use filters and be cognizant. Um, and the answer to your question is, even with dirty lighting and things, we can still reduce it by 90, 95% just by adding the filters. So I think this is the product that you and I talked about before, which is the Power Perfect box. Is that right? That's correct. Power Perfect. Okay. Was it Power Perfect that you're supplying NASA and Sears and Window World, or was that the previous products that you were working on? Okay, great. So, so we don't supply NASA with anything, but what we do is we repurpose their patents a lot. So as American citizens, we own NASA. Once they declassify, then you can repurpose some of that stuff. 
so the, the the shielding is more what was sold to Sears and Window World. The the power conditioners now are installed by some of the absolute biggest names in the solar industry. And the solar guys are really hard to sell because we're early adopters, we're techno nerds, we love being the smartest rascal in the room, right? Uh-huh. And so yep. when when I went to solar guys initially, they kind of felt that I was bashing solar or inverters. I'm not at all. It could not be further from the truth. Um, and maybe I'm wearing the foil hat and they love they love to say, well, I already know about that and I've tested it. No, you haven't, you stinker. But they love to say that. And so I really had to go slow and say, look, here's some meters. Let's plug them in. Here's some filters. Let's plug them in. You see it go down. Okay, let's just marinate on this for a second. That That it is real, but here's a really nice value add. And when you add this value add, not only is the electricity not dirtier now that you have solar, it's cleaner than it ever was. So a couple of things that stood out to me when we first chatted, you said uh, incandescent lights are actually cleaning homes and we've screwed all that up with LED lights. Could you tell me, like, just kind of go back to first principles here, why introducing these LEDs and we'll come back to solar in just a moment, but introducing LEDs like removed this, uh, this effect of cleaning the home? Yeah. And so, so, so things happen in life that just change our world dramatically. I got one for you. I, I'm, I'm in my forties. When I was young, Blockbuster video was on every friggin' corner. Absolutely. Every major street. Blockbuster was just everywhere. Friday nights, a rite of passage. You could always get out of the house. What were you doing? What are you, where are you going? Who are you with? We're going to rent a movie, right? It just got you out. And so you stand at Blockbuster and you rent the movie. Well, Netflix comes to them says, hey, we have a different digital delivery idea and a different format. Do you want to partner up? They say no. Blockbuster's gone. Netflix and the digital delivery is everywhere, right? Okay. So that a similar thing happened with our lighting. So we all used the Edison incandescent light bulb, 130 years, right? And it makes 95% heat and only 5% light. So that's why they were called inefficient. But they clean electricity in that they just turn everything into heat. Distortion, interference, they don't care. They turn it into heat. So according to the Department of Energy, you got 20, maybe 30 light bulbs in your life, right? So each person had 20 or 30 electricity cleaners in their life. And we initially took them out, not for LED, but for CFL, for the curly Q, the compact fluorescent lamp. Well, isn't that a buzz? That's a buzzy poisonous bugger right there, ain't it? Um, You just, you know that it is, and you know, almost subconsciously, that this isn't good. And you know what? We we were right. Our internal dialogue was right. These were not good. And so people put in 30 electricity dirtiers, if you will. That's not a word, but um, culprits, we call them. And then all this DC stuff, switch mode power supplies, the fax machine, the printer, the computer, the things with the funny black box and the cord. If it's got a box in the cord and it needs that special cord, it's doing something buggy to the electricity or that wouldn't be there. Right. And then it wasn't like we had one phone. We all have a phone. I've got three iPads for goodness sakes, Nico. I mean, so just life changed. And so did you need my products 30 years ago? No, you didn't need them. But because of the world we live in now, because of the lighting, because of the DC devices, and again, the waves, everything coming wirelessly, you, you do. And so, you know, our products are made in America. They're warranted for a decade. They're proven to work. We'll send you a meter with it if you want. If it doesn't work, we'll send you your money back. You can't get hurt. And if you have solar or you use these lightings or tech devices, it's kind of a fun thing to think about. It's The meters are cheap. They're 100 bucks to plug it in and see what we're talking about. It is kind of a fun <laughs> subculture, to be honest with you. Right. And just something neat to be aware of as a, a fellow human, a fellow traveler. You know. Yeah, and you've got clients all over the United States and now it's expanding around the world in the solar industry who acknowledge the idea that, uh, as you've said to me, you can make AC electricity run better on 1.6 amps than it did on five amps. What's the major reason why folks would want to sort of wrap in a static cleaning device, a power, power perfect box for a solar project beyond just cleaning the electricity? How how do, what are your clients telling you that that, they're, how, how they're integrating it in their sales process? Well, that's, that's, that's a great question. And, you know, a solar is often a kind of a like thinker. And we always say, so it's, it's green. Is it clean? And so what we've been kind of talking about here is how the, that dirty electricity affects the biological. It's, it's hard on everything. So when your DVR is really hot 
and it is, I guarantee it right now. Go put your hand on your DVR. It's hot. Is that good for the DVR? Well, no. And is that heat free? Well, those are watts. No. So it's coming from our solar or coal or however. It's totally wasted electricity, which is not good for your air conditioner or the greater good. And when you clean that electricity and those things cool down, several things happen. Number one, that thing is happier. Number two, your house is cooler and that thing lasts longer and your power bill goes down. So like, you know, we're not built on amps, we're built on watts. So, you know, making your air conditioner go from five amps to one amp, if you're paying eight cents a kilowatt hour, big deal, man, that did not change your life. But if we're trying to make it on our roof, it makes a big deal. And if now devices are actually even taking more watts than they were because some of them are unusable and getting changed into heat, well, now we're spending our money or putting solar on our roof just to make our DVR hot. That's that's silliness, right? And I, that's kind of an exaggerative way to get there, I suppose. But but that's really one of the byproducts that's happening. And so when you add this, you get more bang for the buck out of the solar. Your power bill goes down a little bit more. And that's what all of our customers want to see. They get that first bill. They want to see that down. It helps that happen. And you've got this clean electricity for both devices and the biological. And we're all trying to compete. So, you know, do you always want to compete on price per watt? Boy, I sure don't. That You can only move that needle so far before we're all doing it for fun. And I think everybody gets good panels, I want to think, and uses good inverters. And I know a lot of great solar guys in Montana. So I'm not going to compete by not saying they're awesome. They are awesome. And I like them. And we're pals. And when I see them at the pub, we high five. So this is a way that you can value add, set yourself apart be unique and really have a better offering without one of the traditional methods of having the better offering. And it's something you can see right then, like when you go solar, we're waiting for that bill, right? And since we got it installed in the middle of the month, we're really waiting a month and a half. This is something that you can see right now. You plug it in, you wired it on your meter, you can see it. And so people love to, you know, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on and watch the distortion go down, the EMF go down, the amps go down. They love it. And sometimes you need, especially in solar, you need a little immediate gratification. Baby. That's right. I love it. <laughs> Even Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a lot less gimmicky than some of the other ways that folks are selling in solar, right? Like this is an actual tangible benefit that has lifelong advantages <laughs> rather than, I mean, God knows there's all kinds of sales incentives out there, but I love the idea that it can also be used as uh, as a way to differentiate yourself in the marketplace when you talk about clean green electricity gives sales folks the opportunity to create a little bit of FUD, in fact, about whether or not their competitors are truly looking out for the homeowner in acknowledging that solar creates 10 to 100 times more energy distortion in the home and, and that they are bringing a way to actually scrub that and and leave a net uh, positive effect on their clients. You know, it's, it's just little anchors that as a sales guy, I immediately latched onto, wow, if I had a residential solar uh, program, I would certainly be finding a product like this to roll into my sales process for the FUD alone. Like the, it's, it's beautiful, <laughs> right? It's amazing. FUD being fear, uncertainty, and doubt for those who are not uh, <laughs> indoctrinated in the sales lingo. Hey friend, thank you so much for tuning in to Suncast today. Just a couple of quick announcements. We'll be right back to the episode. First up is Mission Minded. If you have been listening, then surely you know that we have just recently launched a program I'm super proud of called Mission Minded. If you know someone who's been struggling to find that perfect fit in the clean energy industry, perhaps He or she has been a casualty of the massive downsizing in oil and gas recently, or perhaps just looking to level up in the industry where they've already found a home. I'd love it if you'd recommend them to us for our mission-minded program. It's 12 weeks to the clean energy career you deserve. And if you do, there's a special gift that I have in store for you. That's right. We offer a 10% referral fee for every person who gets referred to our program. So if you know someone that might be a good fit, or maybe it's you, please do us a favor, send an email to nico at mysuncast.com, or you can just direct them to events.mysuncast.com forward slash dream job. That's all in the show notes for this episode, so you can go check it out there as well at mysuncast.com. Here's thing two. If you've been longing for 
a community outside of LinkedIn where you could plug in, network, learn, and grow. Find people who are similarly passionate about different elements of clean energy as you. Well, we're about to relaunch our Suncast Guild in our own private community, app and all. So if you'd like to get the deets on that, make sure you're signed up for our newsletter, which is where we always share the goods and inside information first to our tribe of Suncast insiders. I'll be sending out an email to subscribers about the Guild relaunch in the next week or two. So be sure that you're subscribed or go check out the Become a Member area at mysuncast.com where we have some details and you can get on the waiting list. Either way, I love that you're already a part of our tribe here as a listener. Thanks for that. Now back to the show. Tell me something that's true for you that maybe very few people agree with you on, BD. Well, one of them is this whole dirty electricity conversation. And I, I do get teased. I do get told, you know, I'm still in you know, vaporware, which hurts my feelings because we're manufacturing in Montana with love and that it's, it's bad for you, whatever else. And so that's one of them. So you, you nailed it. When, when two sales guys go into a closing situation, you're going to say, you know, we're going to do a great job for you. We're not going to avoid your roof warranty. It's going to be smooth. We're not going to track muddy feet. You're going to get a good deal price per watt, blah, blah, blah. It's that same thing. Well, what if you could say to somebody, well, is it clean? It's green. Is it clean? Would you like to know if you have dirty electricity right now? And they go, what? And you plug the meter in right now. They don't have solar yet. And they go, something's on a meter. Well, I don't know what that is. I see that there's a number, but I don't know what it is. And then you plug in the filter and it goes down by 99% right there. You have a sales advantage. You've got a rapport tool. You've got a value add. You've got a unique offering. I'm not saying this because, you know, we invent them and we sell them. I'm saying this, if you don't have it, you're crazy because it starts this great conversation right now and you can solve it right now. It's it's really a fun value add. It really is. And we all know that in sales, being able to give immediate value is a, is a key advantage. You know, it's not lost on me that the idea of indoctrination is something that being a decade uh, working with one of the most iconic personal development coaches in the world of the last you know, half a century, Tony Robbins, there is a lot more to building a business the Tony Robbins way than just building a great product, right? Mastering yourself is a key element to that. And, you know, I've gotten the chance to get to know you a little bit. And it seems to me like you haven't just built a business that is raved about in Montana and, and more broadly, simply based on the credibility and reliability of your power conditioners. Help me understand why in a time, even during COVID, where businesses are contracting, your business is expanding and people are talking about it. Yeah, that's that's a great question. We are we are absolutely flourishing. Any corporation owner, you set the goals, the 30, the 90, you know, the one year, three year, five year goals. And we had four or five big conquests that we wanted to happen and some big solar companies that we wanted to add. And if you know we got one of those, life was never going to be the same again. Well, Nico, we landed them all. Mm, we landed them all. Thank you very much. And so the challenge here and the angst here has been how do we build them all? Because now we're in th- we're installing thousands of power conditioners per month with every unit. And so what happens to your team, you kind of move their cheese. People are asked to grow a little bit or stretch. And I, I tell people all the time, the reason that we have the best solar company in Western Montana is not because we add a power conditioner at no charge. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> but it's it's our team and it's it's our corporate culture and it's it's our buy-in that if you phone rings here, we've got seven lines from the top from me down to our our newest little person. When you answer the phone, you're greeted with a smile. And we know the the approved or the the answers to the frequently asked fundamental questions. And we have continuity of message from the top to the bottom, continuity of message. And that's and that's buy-in. And how do you get buy-in? Well, well, gee, I gotta swing my legs out of bed today, Nico. I gotta swing them out of bed and put them on the cold floor. And I have to go off to work. Now we don't go off to fun. We go off to work, right? So as a human being, there's a few things that I want for me. Number one, I want to be compensated for my time. If I'm going to volunteer, it's going to be, you know, snow skiing. If I'm going to be, if I'm going to go somewhere and dedicate it, I want to be 
you know, paid for my time. But I also want to be part of something. I don't want to do it in a trance. I want to be building something. I want to create something. I want to add value. I want to be recognized for what I do. I don't want office politics. I don't want to have a gut ache or be worried about someone speaking harshly to me or speaking behind my back and giving me that gut ache. So our culture here is that number one, I don't expect you to come every day and build my dream. That's not fair. Let's find a way that you can come every day and build yours. And that by you building your dream and my building my dream in harmony, then we build them together and we both get farther. And and that we're nice to each other. We speak with kind words. We use smiles. We watch our body language. And when we err, we both ask for forgiveness and we forgive freely because we're all going to err. And so when you air, you know what you do, you own it. And the minute you own it, it's so freeing. You feel so much better. And then the other person realizes you've owned it. That's all they wanted was for you to acknowledge and apologize. That's all they needed. And the minute you acknowledge and apologize, oh, hallelujah, you're easily forgiven and we can go. And I'm telling you, we have bells here. The guys ring the bells. They sing. They whistle while they work. And that is not an accident. That comes from bi-monthly meetings where we talk about how much we love and appreciate each other and the culture that brings and how much more enjoyable that makes coming to work. And it's, it's not by accident. It is, it is something that we do very intentionally. I didn't have good mentors growing up. I didn't have any mentors in college to speak of that would help me find the right job. And so when I landed in jobs that were toxic and not particularly appropriate for helping me scale uh, and and achieve personal uh, growth and development, I wasn't able to filter it very quickly. You know, I'm still a Gen Xer, a Gen Xer right on the edge of Gen X. Felt like I was being treasonous to the 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 sort of the planned process of college than a job when six months in, I was just kind of like, this isn't working for me. I thought it was a problem with me, not a problem with them. How do you talk to that employee that feels they're stuck in that negative cycle or they they are trying to evaluate, is it, is it something with me or is it something with them? Yeah, that's, that's part of being vulnerable. And sometimes if you ask somebody, you know, where do you see yourself in two years or something, if, if, if they're not sure they're going to be there or with you, that maybe they feel put on the spot or that they're supposed to give some can't answer. And there's, there's not. I, we don't expect anybody to work here until they die. You're invited to. Yeah. But, you know, if somebody came and said, you know what, I really need to spend a couple of years living on an island somewhere. It's been on my goal list. I want to, we're going to help you get there. If somebody says, you know, there's a few things that I want to do. <laughs> we, we would love to have you. <laughs> I love it. I apologize. I interrupted you. You're, I don't know if you're. No, you're, you're, you're fine. It's that, you know, so do you want to play the guitar? Do you want to learn a skill set or develop something that you can't get here? You're safe to say that. You're safe to own that. You're safe to own your truth. And so we've got these great resources here. I mean, I'm a great headhunter. I've got great guys. I've got the best engineers on the planet from MIT, not to boast. I love them. I headhunt them. They're fabulous. You know, our VP was a VP at Sun Edison. I, we stole them from Dell Computers. We've, we've got great, we got great staff and great team members. So let's say you are a younger guy and you say, I love working here. Um, we give consistent raises. Everybody gets a raise at least once every six months company-wide. We give raises because we want buy-in and we want people to stay. And as the company grows, we we share that. However, as I was saying, but if you've got an itch, you need to scratch. If you need to go on an adventure, if you need to summit Kilimanjaro, you're safe to say that. And then we've got this pool of resources here of these wonderful people that will help you get there. Wow. That will help you accomplish it. It doesn't have to be at static. That's, that's silly. That's so cool. And it incorporates the idea that as a whole human work isn't everything that you do that it contributes toward your, uh, your lifelong goals, right? That's right. I imagine that you get into conversations internally as well as in the community and broadly when folks find you, know, find you and, and ask for advice. What are some of the key lessons or takeaways from the important mentors in your life or career that you pass along to others? I have several. Obviously, there, there are two that I, that I gravitate to. Number one, you know, we're in this, we're this cool kind of spiritual electric, electromagnetic field being, right? Uh, but we've got our eyes and our ears and our senses, and that's the way we take in data. So there's, a, there's an anomaly that happens that's so well documented, it's not argued, but it's unique. So five people at Starbucks, and they're out front, 
One's a sales guy on a phone, another's on a first date, another person's looking at their computer, another one's on their iPod, and there's an auto accident right out in front. Now, these people are sitting out in front. So you think they saw it, they heard it, maybe they smelled it when the radiator dumped the antifreeze. We all know that smell, right? So the policemen go and they interview everybody, and guess what they get? They get they get five pretty varying degrees of the story, right? Or interpretations of the story. Who's lying? Nobody. Who's got an agenda? Nobody. The guy on the first date was looking at her beautiful eyes and listening to every word that she said he was absorbed. The sales guy maybe on the phone was in, visiting with his customer and where he had walked, there was a tree or there was a sign or there was a bush. You know, Maybe there was a bike involved and a guy pedaled his bike every day from college and is convinced everybody's trying to hit him and subconsciously couldn't help but take the side of the the pedalist a little bit, not even intentionally, just because. And so the number one thing that I would make sure everybody tries to take away if you can, just because it seemed that way to you does not make it real. It does not make it their reality. And they might've experienced something very different. Since it happened right in front of you and you're not lying, you think they must be. Oh, yeah. Guess what? You might've been sitting behind a bush. It might even be you that was wrong. And so don't automatically assume that that it's the way you experienced it and that if someone experienced it differently, that they're fibbing. Instead, rather than asking to rebut or asking to refuse or asking a question to argue, ask you a question to learn, to understand and appreciate. And then they can say, well, you know what? I was on this side of the bush and I didn't have my headphones on and I wasn't looking at my computer screen. And so when they begin to tell you now, rather than being having your force field up or thinking that they're fibbing, if you can ask to learn rather than, or listen, let me say that better. If you can listen to learn rather than listen to reply, you'll have a lot better human relationships. That's number one. Number two, it's not what happens to you. It's what you do with it. You know, I've got a, I've got a buddy who is, is now passed away as my number one, very best friend was a, just an absolute party boy and alcoholic, asking him at one point why and trying to suggest he reel it in a little bit. He said, well, my dad was an alcoholic. My family memories at the barbecue are my dad drunk. My dad was drunk. What else would I be? I've got another friend, Chris, or Josh, excuse me, who has never had a drink. And we're riding dirt bikes and we land at this watering hole and we're going to have a beer and he's not going to have a beer. And it makes no sense to me because we've been riding dirt bikes all day and we're going to get a beer. And he says, my dad was drunk at the family barbecue and fighting with my mom. I hate it. What else would I be? So it's not that bad stuff happens to you, man. It's going to. It's what you choose to do with your experiences that will create your destiny. They absolutely will. Thank you. Those are two fantastic examples. Right on. You are a self-proclaimed expert recruiter. What do you first look for on a resume? Resumes are tough. But the way, the way somebody speaks, we have a tendency to say I a lot. And we have a tendency to say me. And when you listen to the person that says we and the person that says us, oftentimes they're a little more team oriented. Years ago, when I was actually coaching on hiring, one of the things we would say is, you know, find the skill set that you need, the thing that you're not good at or the thing that your company needs or the thing that you hate doing and find somebody that's really great at doing that right? And put them on that seat on the bus. No, no, no. It was wrong. I take it back. I apologize publicly. Rather, find a happy, healthy person and then teach them to do what it is you need them to do. So it's, it's sure, it's great if they've got that skill set and that's where they've been experienced to their degree or their prior on-the-job training. But if you don't have somebody that can be happy that can find a way to say yes and find a way to win rather than a way to say no or lose, you'll never go as far with that group of people on the bus. You just won't because bad things are coming. Things are going to break. I mean, you're on the roof. Everyone's done it. And you drop your cordless drill and it slides right down the roof, 20 miles an hour and goes right through the windshield of the customer's car. (laughs) Right? It happens. That stuff happens. So it's not whether or not that happened. It's how we respond to it now. Totally. It's, it's how we're going to feel internally, how we're going to interact with people, and how we're going to handle the customer. And I'm telling you, if you go in laughing at the customer and tell them everything, you can actually get them to smile with you as they're looking at the drill on the front seat of their Lexus. 
Right. You are not going to believe this. I forgot <laughs> to move your car. <laughs> and bonehead me, I didn't tie my my cool car. Oh, that's yep. good. That's good. Um, well, you mentioned uh, resumes are tough. How have you evolved the recruiting process then for yourself to be able to align with right-minded individuals? So that's a great question too. It's aligning, it's aligning destinies. Okay. So you need to live on an island at some point. Okay. Do we have a vehicle for you to get there? You need to learn marketing or do some public speaking or, or walk on fire or add value or do something. Okay, great. Is there a way that you can do that here and you can get paid for doing that and you can add value and we get farther because you're able to do that. And so peeling back that onion of, okay, it's not called fun. It's called work. We're not going to go down to fun today. We're going to go down to work, but that's a huge part of our life. So if your job sucks, man, your life sucks. If you've got a gut ache all the time, your life stinks, man. So how can we identify who you want to be, how you want to show up, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish? And then can that line up here? Can, can our journey and our destiny line up with yours? And by doing our thing, we get farther together. And you want to know what else? That gets to change. I'm sorry. You don't have the same goals at 22 that you do at 42. You don't. You grow up. You change or you want to try new things. So open dialogue. Like if, if somebody is grumpy, I tell people here, if, if, you've, if you've got to burn your saddle, don't own it. Come tell me if you need to go for it. We do what's called a walk and a talk. I love to take people for a walk and talk. If you're blue, if you're upset, your feelings have been hurt, you're feeling disenfranchised, let's go for a walk and talk. And we walk around the block and you are free to just say it. Lay it down, yeah. Lay it out. Let's get there. And sometimes just blurting it out (laughs) feels better. And other times there's not that easy of a solution. We have to get there together. But I'll tell you, when people feel heard, oh my goodness, you know, what feels worse than feeling alone? or feeling unattached or unheard. That's that's a terrible feeling. And so, you know, you can't you can't just be constantly visiting with the staff, you know, you got 40 employees, you can't do that all. But it has to be that if there's an issue that it doesn't fester, that we visit about it in a safe upbuilding way and try and find the solution. BD, if you could create or curate a small we'll call it 3, maybe 5 book education for your 20-year-old self, what do you think that would be? Oh man, I don't think they were written then, but I know what they are. <laughs> um, yeah, even if they were written since. <laughs> okay, okay. So I, I gravitate towards technical reading and I gravitate towards self-help, but there's also what I call pleasure reading, like fiction in the story and the night or the dragon or the tale or whatever. That's pleasure reading. You're not, you're not doing that to learn anything. You're doing it because it's fun, right? My favorite books have both. My favorite books do help you grow they do have a lesson, but they're in a narrative way where it's on a journey. And one of my favorites is Can't Hurt Me, written by David Goggins. So he's one of the only guys to be a Navy SEAL you know, and an, air, an airborne ranger. And what makes the story for me is not how he perseveres and overcomes. That's neat stuff, but lots of people have done that. It's a story being a human and being vulnerable. And, you know, admitting the time in second grade when you pooped your pants and, and that stuff and being vulnerable makes it real that turns it into pleasure reading. And so Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins is one of them. Another one is an, an author named Brene Brown and her book is called Daring Greatly. Oh my God, she's such a beautiful human being. You just you fall in love with her because she's asking you to dare greatly and do this great thing. But while she's also humble admitting that she's imperfect, admitting that she's committed all these grievous errors herself and that that's part of the journey and, you know, doing it perfectly. That's not the story. That's not what, that's a terrible book. And he woke up and was rich and happily ever. That's a terrible book. Instead, it's, it's what you had to learn and what happened and, and what you did wrong and, and how you grew. Um, and as long as you, you learn from it and you stop doing it, I mean, we can forgive people of a lot of stuff because we, we want people to grow and we want people to win. So can't hurt me, David Goggins, Darren Greatly, Brene Brown. Is there another? Yeah. So Awaken, awaken the Giant Within, uh, of, course, of course, by Tony Robbins, of course. I was wondering um, if he would make the list. Yeah, of course. And, and the reason for that for me is it has practical things that you can do. So what happens to us a lot? I think all of us, you go 
to the personal development seminar or the workshop. It's awesome. You take five pages of notes. You feel great. You're home two days and you are back to your old habits, right? You are, you are back to what you were doing and you enjoyed the event. You enjoyed the seminar. You've got your notes. Are you really rereading your notes? Are you putting those things into practice? I think that's, that's where most people fall off. And I think a lot of people have great content. There's a lot of great speech writers and, and coaches, but do you, once you're on your onesie now and you're home, do you continue to do those things? So I think one of the reasons that Tony Robbins book is so powerful is it helps you to scratch the record you've been playing and do things differently. Because now if we actually do things differently, we're going to get the different result. It's one thing to have in your head, to have the knowledge. You've got to create wisdom. You have to apply that knowledge to creating wisdom and getting a different outcome. And that's what it's all about, creating the new outcome. Mm, I love that. I've, I've said that for years, that wisdom is knowledge applied. It's uh, not just Correct. acquired. <laughs> that's right. You got to do something with it. Yeah, you, we'll, we'll link to it as well. You also subtly linked uh, a reference to book that uh, was an early one that I read that, and enjoyed, Who Moved My Cheese? Said that they've moved their cheese. So I love that you interjected that in the just the casual nature of your conversation. We'll link to that book as well, Who Moved My Cheese? Well, as we, uh, as we start to round to home base here, uh, before I ask our, our final question, I'm sure that more than a few solar warriors are going to be eager to learn more about you and the company and, and how would they do that? What's the best way for people to engage with you? So I, I, I'm, I'm reachable. I, I don't want to be the guy that sits in the ivory towers. That's, that's, that's a yawner. I, I hate that. I want to be reachable. So on LinkedIn, I'm BD. I use my initials, Bravo Delta, BD Erickson II on LinkedIn. And our company name is SATIC, S-A-T-I-C. I know it's an odd name. It's an acronym, Sinusoidal Waveform Technology Incorporated. We had to make clean power into a word. And that word came out to be SATIC. So we've got two websites, SATIC USA and SATIC Shield. But you know, Google My Business, there's there's our emails and our phone numbers and our websites. You're invited to call. If you hear because of this show and you call, I will give you free stuff on my honor. I am not a big fat fibber. We want it, we want people to engage. We want you to engage us. And here's what we'll do: we will put our money where our mouth is. We will send you a meter, we will send you a filter. Here's what you got to do. You got to be a big boy and plug it in and see the difference and open the conversation. And if, if it doesn't work, if you think we're nuts, that's okay. Have you met us? You're safe. You're safe to think differently. You're safe to feel differently. In fact, maybe you'll teach us something. And so our, our products are, are guaranteed to perform. And if you're not happy, we will do the right thing. Guaranteed. I love it. So we will certainly link to Static USA from our show notes page. I'd encourage all of you out there to go check it out. Many companies that you would recognize, uh, brand names that we're not at liberty to discuss on the podcast, have discovered the advantage of having power conditioning, energy cleaning, transforming uh, sales, conversation, transforming power at their fingertips through the Power Perfect box. And I would encourage you guys to check it out as well. I have, I, I have zero commission involved in in this. Uh, you know, BD's, uh, young, a young protege on BD's team, Dylan, reached out just trying to figure out a way to get BD more exposure. And I admired so greatly the conversation that I had with him and then following on with BD that I had to have him here on the show. So I'm happy to, to be able to do it. And BD, I've loved getting to know you and learning more about the business that you've created. Let's end today, as we always do, with the bold prediction. BD, what one thing do you see happening in the market that perhaps nobody else is tracking? What's in your crystal ball looking into 2021 and beyond? That's a tough question. And I, I have given this, I have given this some thought. So, so some interesting things have happened and not to just to keep plugging clean electricity and EMF, yon, yon, don't plug your own stuff. There are some states and some municipalities looking at legislation right now to regulate the amount of dirty electricity. And so clean electricity, I think I'm going to make two predictions here. One is that dirty electricity and EMF are going to be drug out of pseudoscience into mainstream science. And in two years, there will not be a power system or a solar system sold without a static or similar type device. It won't be sold. That's number one. And number two, with the proliferation of the smart meters and the ability to monitor humans, I think that it's going to be very interesting to see what privacy does for a lot of us over the next few years and how privacy issues 
are addressed because I don't think it's all doom and gloom. And I'm not a guy that comes from a naysayer perspective. I don't want to say we're doomed. I want to say, how do we fix it? Where do we go from here? How do we make it great? BD Erickson is the CEO and founder of SADIC Incorporated. We've been learning a tremendous amount today about not only personal growth, development, company culture, but also how to eliminate the idea of dirty energy from our striving to bring clean energy to the masses. BD, I am grateful for the opportunity to have met you, and I look forward to hearing more stories from our solar warriors as they engage with your company. Thank you so much. It's so gracious of you to have me on. God bless and good luck to all of you guys out there slugging it out in the solar industry. We love you. Keep going. Be well. Be successful. All right. All right. That's a wrap, Solar Warrior, as we are rolling through April 2021. I'm so glad that you've chosen to be here with us. I hope that you are saturated as I am with the enthusiasm, the joy of learning from someone like B.D. Erickson. What an inspiring entrepreneur you are, BD. Thank you for giving us your time to be here on the show and teach us what it looks like to be a heart-centered, thoughtful entrepreneur, raising the standard of education and employment right there in your hometown. If you are eager to keep learning, then you, my fellow Philomath, can find the resources and highlights from this and every other discussion, along with the social media links, book recommendations, and more over at mysuncast.com. And hey, since you're already going to be online and at mysuncast.com, when you go to the show notes page to check out all those fancy details and links, click on my LinkedIn and you'll see where we've posted about this episode. You can comment and like that. And if you would share it, that'd be amazing. Of course, it all presumes that you care at all, that you enjoyed this episode and you want to give back to BD or myself. I'd encourage you to go connect with BD there on LinkedIn. Hope that you'll tune in again next week as we'll have another Tactical Tuesday, another Practical Long Form Thursday episode coming at you, just like we've done for the last five years and plan to do for the next five. We dig in here on the disruptive ideas and entrepreneurs that are driving the clean energy economy forward. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.